emboldened to continue that wrong thing because the spirit of the age tells you it's okay. It doesn't matter who's to judge. God's outdated. The Bible's outdated. That's just someone's opinion. You say, what is that? That's a manipulative spirit. And there, there's, there's something in here that all of us need to get a hold of. And listen, if you've never been born again, can I tell you what's happened for most of your life? For most of your life, if you are confronted with the gospel, there's another voice that comes rushing and saying, yeah, but you're a good person. Yeah, but you've had a hard life. Yeah, but this. Instead of going, you must be born again. You say, what's that other voice? It's a manipulative spirit. It's the spirit that was involved with Jacob doing what he did with his brother and his father. Can I, can I tell you, in this passage, you learn some great lessons from family side of things. Don't play favorites with your kids. Causes problems. How about this one? Don't keep secrets in your family. I mean, there's some great le- practical lessons, you know. Don't propose things that go against God's authority. That's what Rebecca did. Uh, and, and, and listen, basically, if I were to tell you how to have a, a good godly family, I would say, look at Genesis 27 and do the opposite of that. Okay? Because everyone's kind of a mess in this story. And I want you to understand that you, you learn earlier in the book of Genesis, I won't have you turn there, but in Genesis 25, you learn very clearly that Isaac liked Esau and Mama liked Jacob. And those boys weren't dumb. They knew who liked them. <laughs> and, and listen, the reason you can't afford to do that with your kids is because they will pick up on that. And they will respond accordingly, and it will cause issues. That's not the main message, but that is for free. There you go. Don't play favorites with your kids. All right? Now, now having said that, I, I want you to understand this. I think what you learn from the story of Jacob and Esau is this. Esau's the guy that just doesn't really care about spiritual things until he's confronted with the reality that he's missing out. Esau's the first guy in the Bible that had FOMO, right? He's missing out on spiritual, but he's not, he's not aware of that until the moment where he's actually missing it. Up until that moment, he just doesn't care. Jacob, on the other hand, is like, man, how can I get that blessing? How can I get, how can I connive? How can I, how can I kind of manipulate things? How can I kind of weasel my way in? But, but Jacob, you have to admire one thing. He wants the blessing. Esau doesn't care. Now listen, you say, that, well, are you saying that Jacob is right here? Absolutely not. The moral of the story is this. You should desire a blessing from God. But how you go about it makes all the difference in the world. How about this? God spoke to Moses, and he said, hey, take your rod. Numbers chapter 20, remember the story? You know, go, go there. Go with me to Numbers chapter number 20. I want you to see this for yourself. Anybody here ever struggle, struggle with anger management? Don't raise your hand. Just rhetorical. All right, and if you say no, I'm, I want to put a, a little nanny cam in your car when you're in Denver traffic <laughs> and see how spiritual you are. God comes to Moses, and you got to remember that, that when God deals with Moses, he tells him, take your rod, and, and remember this, when he first meets him, he says, take your rod and throw it down, and it becomes a serpent. You remember that? And then, and then grab it, it becomes a stick again. Now, look, i got to be honest with you. If I'm Moses... And the Lord's like, grab it. I'm like, if you turn it into a stick again first, then I'll grab it, right? But, but he doesn't. Moses, by faith, grabs that thing. It becomes a rod again. And God says, I want you to take this. I want this to be a sign to him. And when you go, I want you to lift the rod and the sea's going to part and all that stuff. This rod was a special thing to Moses. 
And God tells him in Numbers 20, look if you would, at verse number three, he tells Moses, uh, because the people are upset that they don't have any water, look at verse three, the people chode with Moses and spake, saying, would God that we had died when our brethren died before the Lord. You know what I learned from that? When people are under pressure, they say and do really stupid things. You know, when you're under pressure, the real, the things that are below the surface, they come out. And they don't have any water. So they go, Moses, you've got to do something. Why'd you bring us out here to die? Look at verse 3, verse 4. Then verse number 5, we, we had it better back there. Life was better. We don't have any water to drink out here. And then in verse number 6, you know what Moses does? He does the right thing and he goes to God. Look at verse 8. And God tells Moses, take the what? He tells him, get everybody together. You read the next couple of verses. It's fascinating. He says, take your rod Get everybody together, and I want you to go and I want you to stand in front of this rock. Okay, Lord, I'm with you so far. And you want me to hit it? No, 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 don't hit it. Just talk to the rock. Lord, you just told me to grab my rod. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know, because everyone's going to expect you to do that. And that's natural. And that would be a way to get a blessing out of the rock is to hit it. Everyone would expect that. I want to do what people don't expect. I want them to know that this blessing is from me, and it's not going to be gained through your carnal means, through your anger, through you hitting something. I want to show my power, not yours, Moses. And Moses goes, okay, God, I hear you. You want me to talk to the rock? All right, fine. He gets up there. He looks at the people and goes, <laughs> whack, and he hits the thing twice. Can I ask you a question? Reading the verses that follow. Didn't the water come out of the rock? They got the blessing. He didn't go about it the right way. You know what God tells him? You're not going to the promised land. There's nothing wrong with desiring a blessing. How about in, I won't have you turn there, but how about in 2 Samuel chapter 6 when, when, when David has a desire to bring the ark back and that would be a blessing. The ark was for the people of Israel. It was oftentimes a, a way of, of re, a reference point that God's presence would come down on that ark and, and they would look at that ark and go, that's where God is. Now there's a lesson in that by itself. God is not confined to a box. Amen and amen. God's not confined to this building. We understand that. But, but that was what they looked at as, as part of where they could meet with God. And so bringing that ark back that had been in the hands of the Philistines was a big deal. It would be bringing the blessing back. It was make Israel great again. It was Micah, not Maga, right? And so they're going to bring back the ark. They're going to bring the blessing back to God's people. And so they get the ark and they do this new thing. And they, 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 they say, Lord, we know we know what your Old Testament law says. We know you're supposed to have a certain group of people and only them take these sticks and put them through the rings of the ark and bear it on their shoulders. But God, does it really matter? We're excited. We're united. We want to see you do this. And God, you know what? We're going to do it our own way. And you know what happens? Somebody dies. Because they wanted the blessing, but they don't want to go about it the right way. They wanted to manipulate God into a corner and say, regardless of what you say, I want what you have for me, but I don't want to do it your way, so you're going to show up anyways. And God shows up, but David doesn't exactly appreciate it. Is this making any sense? You ought to desire the blessing of God in your life. You ought to desire for God to bless your life, your home, your family, this church, but you don't want to manipulate your way into that blessing. The Bible says there's a blessing in it. You say, what are you talking about? Well, over there in Isaiah 65, you don't have to turn there. God speaks of that new wine. Can I ask you a question? What happens when new wine sits for too long? It becomes old wine, and the blessing is then lost. 
You see, timing has a lot to do with things. When Satan shows up to Jesus Christ, he says, if you fall down and you worship me, all the kingdoms of this world I'm going to give you. Question, aren't all those kingdoms going to belong to Jesus Christ someday? But the timing of it makes all the difference in the world. You know what the devil was trying to do? He was trying to manipulate Jesus Christ into doing what was wrong to get what was right from God. You say, what is that? Manipulating the blessing. Can I say the Bible says we are blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ over in Ephesians? The Bible says in 1 Peter, finally, be all of one mind, having compassion one of another, love as brethren, be pitiful, be courteous, not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing, but contrarywise blessing, knowing that ye are thereunto called, that ye should inherit a blessing. Can I say this? The devil wants to get you to manipulate things and he wants to speak things in your life to get you to accept things ahead of time out of God's schedule. He wants to get you to a place where you go, yeah, yeah, this is a good thing. It's a good thing for you. Yeah, but, but am I pushing this? Am I, am I forcing this? Am I, am I making something happen where God is not moving? And that's exactly what Jacob did. Can I, can I ask you this? Is it not possible that God saw that Esau didn't care about the blessing? He already sold out his birthright. Is it not possible that God could have found a way to give Jacob that blessing without Jacob jumping the gun and lying and covering things up and manipulating his poor father? One time, Peter says, Lord, not so. I'm not going to let anyone attack you. You know what Jesus says to him? Look, look if, we had, if we had a problem in our church and there were people out there with, with swords or guns, say modern day or guns, and all of a sudden there's a bunch of you, and, and I said, well, it's just it's my time to go. God told me it's my time to go. And a bunch of you get around me and go, no, we're not going to let you go. We're going to fight with you to the end. And I looked at you and I said, get thee behind me, Satan. That'd be weird. You would think I'm a jerk for someone standing up for me. You know what the Lord does? He looks at Peter and he says, why? Because Peter is doing something to stroke his own ego. He's trying to get somewhere, but he's not doing it God's way. He's manipulating the situation. Therefore, the Lord tells him, get thee behind me, Satan. Look, if you would, at Hebrews chapter 5. Hebrews chapter 5, New Testament. There's a spirit behind manipulation, and I want to be very clear, it's not the Lord's spirit. You know, you can manipulate people into doing what you want. It doesn't mean it's going to last, and it doesn't mean that God's behind that. And, and, and let me just say this much. It would be so easy, all right, for, for, and I've watched this. Some pastors abuse their position, and they manipulate people into doing things. You know why? So that, they, so that it makes them look good, and it's about image instead of it being about God. I'm telling you right now, there's a lot of manipulation that goes on in our lives, and we don't even realize it. Hebrews chapter 5, you know how you can learn when there's a manipulative spirit around you? You get grounded in the word of God. Look at Hebrews chapter 5, verse 13. Verse 13 For everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. You want to get to a place where your spiritual senses are exercised, and the only way to do that is by getting grounded in the Word. You know what you cannot afford to do? You cannot afford to go through your entire Christian life based on your feelings. You know what Isaac does? He feels his son. He can't see him, so he feels him, and he goes, well, yeah, it does sound like Jacob, but man, it feels like Esau. Must be right. Big mistake. 
See, what did he do? He allowed himself to be manipulated. The Bible says, He which is spiritual judgeth all things. The Bible says, Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. You know why? Because manipulation is bondage. God set you, the moment you got saved, the Lord desired for you to live in freedom. And when you listen to a manipulative spirit and you allow that to speak in your life, and then you turn around without realizing it at times, and you then turn around and start manipulating those around you, let me say this, parents, we want to guide our kids, we don't want to manipulate them. All right, husbands, you want to lead your family, you don't want to manipulate them. All right, can, can I say it like this? You in your life individually as a child of God, you should desire spiritual blessings, but you don't want to force it, you don't want to manipulate it. Listen, uh, Isabella gave her testimony about wanting to go to Africa, and all we could do in that situation, I wanted to do all kinds of manipulating, but you know what God said? Be still. <laughs> I'm working here, and you don't understand it all. And you may feel in your own life, I've got to do this, I've got to do this, I've got to do this. And God's saying, be still. Don't force it. Don't manipulate it. Go back to Genesis 27. Can I just point out a couple of things here? Genesis 27. Number one, a manipulative spirit seeks to take advantage of the weakness of others. You know you're supposed to serve those that are weak, not take advantage of their weaknesses. And, and it's very clear in Genesis 27, just at the very beginning of the chapter, it's very evident that, that Isaac can't see. Look at verse 1. His eyes were dim. He's old. Now listen, this is the same guy that just a few chapters prior is sitting out in a field meditating. Not like, oh, not that kind of meditation. But he's thinking about the Lord. He's out there. He's talking with the Lord. And all of a sudden, he looks across the horizon, and he sees what looks like a faint little dot coming towards him. And he says he saw the camels that were coming, and he thought, oh, man, that might be my wife. And it was his wife, Rebecca. Here's this guy that from very far away could see everything coming his way. And now, chapters later, he's at a place in his life where he's vulnerable, and he's weak. Let me just say this much. When you're weak and vulnerable spiritually and emotionally, you need to be safeguarding your heart and your mind. It's easy to be manipulated. Can I say this? When you're tired, don't make decisions. When you've had a bad week, don't go, I'm just not going to read my Bible. You know what happens? You can be manipulated so easily. You don't realize how weak the flesh is. Go two days without sleep, <laughs> let alone an entire week. Listen, you, Isaac here is at a very vulnerable place in his life. And can I say this? When you're at that place, you, this is why, any parents know what I'm talking about? The kids will come and ask you things when you're half asleep. Ever, ever happened to you? Yeah. Can I get a witness? All right. All right. Were you once young? Did you also try it as well? Yes, I did. You say, why? Because I know they're half out of it. If I ask them and they say yes, a week from now when they're upset about it, I'll go, but you said yes. You say, why is that done? Too manipulated an answer. Why? Because you're weak and vulnerable at that state. Can I say this? When Jesus Christ, after 40 days of fasting and being hungry, was in the wilderness, that's when the devil showed up. Can I, can I say, when you're under spiritual attack, you're vulnerable and you're weak. That is the last time that you should be saying, I'm going to make a deep and lasting decision that could change my destiny forever. What you need to do is slow it down and start asking some more questions of the Lord. Can I point out in this chapter in Genesis 27 that Isaac has a conversation with his son, Jacob. Are you Esau? Are you sure you're Esau? Did you notice Isaac never prays? Now, Isaac never goes, Lord, 
Who is sitting here in front of me? You say, well, you think God would have shown up? I don't know, but we'll never find out, will we? Because Isaac doesn't do that. When you're in a position of weakness and vulnerability, spiritually and emotionally, can I encourage you, rather than continue to move forward and listening to that voice, can I encourage you to slow down and ask God what he thinks about this? Understand that Isaac is the promised seed of Abraham. Therefore, the seed that would come after him would be the promised seed of Israel. What am I getting after? Now that you are a born, if you're a born again child of God, you know what you are? You've got God's seed inside of you. The Bible says you are born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. You are God's child. And you know what the devil wants to do? He wants to mess everything up in your life because he can't go after God. So he's going to go after you. And he's going to use a manipulative spirit when you're weak and vulnerable. Can I give you this? Look, if you would, at Genesis 27 and verse 8. Can I say that a manipulative spirit thrives off of half-truths? You know what's real dangerous? A half-truth. A blatant lie is right in front of you. You go, oh, that's bad. But something that's laced with truth, you just can't, well, is it, is it bad? Is it not? I can't really tell. Is it, is it really that big of a deal? Can I point out in verse number 8 what Rebecca says? She says, obey my voice. Is it not right for a child to obey their parents' voice? Sure it is. Yeah, until they're telling you to do something against God (laughs) because he's the higher authority. You know what a half-truth is? You should listen to your mama. Yeah, until she's telling me to do something against the Bible. You understand? This, This is the issue. He's getting manipulated by his mom now because mom has been listening to his spirit herself, and now she's passing that on to her son. And then the son takes that to dad and manipulates him, and it's kind of like the gift that keeps on giving. You know what it is? It's half-truths. How about this one? Verse 20. How'd you get it so quick? Oh, the Lord brought it to me. Well, every animal is made by God, isn't it? Am I right? So every, every item of food comes from the Lord, doesn't it? Sure it does. He's kind of giving a half-truth there, isn't he? You ever do that? Ever get half-truth? Look, if you would at verse 22. Oh, the hands. The hands are, those are Esau's hands. But man, Jacob, that's Jacob's voice. You say, what is that? It's like Isaac understands that something is wrong here. And when you're manipulated and there's something that's going on in your life and you're weak and you're vulnerable and that spirit comes your way, oftentimes you'll kind of go, you know what, something's not quite right. But Isaac doesn't pump the brakes. He just keeps going. This is the mistake of the Christian today. I'm hearing something. I know it isn't quite right, but I kind of like the sound of it, and I'd just like to get this done and move on. I I read this story. I thought this was great. One time the devil was walking down the street with one of his demons, one of his devils, and uh, he saw a man ahead of uh, of them both stop and pick up something shiny in the middle of the road, and and, uh, uh, the the demon, the the cohort of the devil said, uh, hey, uh, Satan, what is it that that man just picked up? And the devil said he, he just picked up a piece of the truth. And the, devil go, the demon goes, aren't you worried about that? Doesn't that bother you? He goes, nah, the best lies are just a piece of the truth. He'll make a religion and he'll go to hell without Jesus Christ. You say, what is that? That's why people go to hell without Jesus Christ. How about this one? We're all the children of God. Physically you are, spiritually you're not. Not until you're born again. These are the half-truths that are spoken in the world that keep people in blindness spiritually. Can, can I ask you a question? Do you ever find yourself in a place in life where you're going after something that you think you should have 
and the Lord's kind of throwing some things in there and kind of asking you some questions, and the way you're answering is kind of half-truth, because you really want what you, you really have your eyes on something. You go, I really want that. I really want that. I really want that. No matter what, I really want that. Well, Lord, I kind of see it this way. And you put a little bit of scripture and a little bit of truth, and you say, what is that? You're not going to manipulate God, that's for sure. Yeah. I'll tell you, you're manipulating yourself and those around you. Come with me, if you would, to 1 Kings chapter 22. You know, I learned a long time ago. I learned... that if you want something bad enough, the worst thing that could happen in your life is you getting what you want bad enough that God doesn't want for you. 1 Kings 22, look if you would at verse number 7. You see what's going on. There's these two kings. One's from Judah. They're a whole lot closer to God at this time. One's from Israel. They used to be united kingdom. They split up. And... Uh, the kings are sitting there, and Jehoshaphat, he's kind of used to, to kind of a little bit more firestone, you know, fire and brimstone type preaching, you know, and, and he's listening to the preachers that, 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 that this other king has brought there, that Ahab has brought there, and Jehoshaphat's going, uh, something sounds like it's off. Is there no one else you've gotten here? And you know what Ahab says? There's this one guy, but I hate him. Literally what he says. I hate that guy. Why? Because he preaches the whole truth and nothing but the truth, so help him God. Well, I'd rather have some truth. I like truth, but kind of make me feel good about myself. But I don't want all the truth because then I, I don't, you know, it's kind of uncomfortable. It's inconvenient. You say, what's going on? That's literally what's going on in 1 Kings 22. Look, if you would, at verse number 20. 1 Kings 22, verse number 20. You say, what's going on? After Micaiah, the real preacher, shows up, uh, it, it's exposed that there's a lying spirit there. Look at verse 20. The Lord said, Who shall persuade Ahab that he may go up and fall at Ramoth Gilead? And one said on this man, another said on that manner. And there came forth a what? Spirit. All right. You got that? Spirit. And stood before the Lord and said, I will persuade him. Can I say a manipulative spirit? Listen. Listen. The Spirit of God doesn't have to put you in an arm bar to get you to do something. The Spirit of God is gentle, and He shows you what's right, and He goes, there it is right there. Do you want to do it? Do you not want to do it? A, manipula a manipulative spirit goes, you better do this or else. You have to. I'm going to make you. You better. That, that, that is not how the Lord works. Amen. When you feel that pressure, and you feel that, that kind of just pushing on you, and you go, man, I don't know where this is coming from. I, listen, I'm, I'm, all, I'm all for being convicted. I'm all for being convicted of my sin. But when something's just bearing down on me, and it's not the Lord, and it's not the Scriptures, and I just got this feeling, I, sometimes I need to step back and go, man, what in the world's manipulating me, then pressuring me into moving forward like this? And you see what happens here in this story. This lying spirit comes out. Look at verse number 21. I will persuade him. And the Lord said, verse 22, wherewith? And he said, I will go forth, and I will be a lying spirit in the mouth of all his prophets, and he said, Thou shalt persuade him, prevail, also go forth and do so. You say, what is going on here? A lying spirit went out to deceive people because, listen to me, they wanted the deception. Because when the truth was there, they rejected it. You need to get to a place in your Christian life where it's not about a little bit of truth, a little bit of Christianity and some of this, a little bit of truth and some of this. It's the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. <laughs> Because once you move away from that, you are game on for the devil. And it's easy to ma manipulate you. Look, if you went back at Genesis 27, can I say this? 
As you turn there, a manipulative spirit is more concerned with image than with substance. I just care how things look, not what they actually are. See, how do you know that? Well, coming out of Jacob's own mouth, you know it's dangerous, real dangerous. You can come to church, and on the outside, everything looks just fine. And after a while, you can learn to manipulate things and go, hey, how you doing, brother? Good to see you. Man, you doing well? Yeah, better than I deserve. Better than I deserve. Okay, good. How are you? Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and on the inside, you're dying. I'm not talking about coming in being Eeyore. How you doing? Everything's terrible. <laughs> Why'd you ask? I'm not talking about that either. I understand there's a place to, to say, you know what, in Christ I can be bold and in Christ things are right. It, but, but that's not what I mean. I'm talking about having the veneer on the outside, keeping the image and not dealing with the substance. L- let me show you what I mean by this. Look, if you would, at verse number 12 in our passage, 27 verse 12. Here's Jacob's rebuttal to his mom's plan. It's not, Mom, this is wicked, it's lying, it's deceitful, it's against God. I don't want to be judged for this. I don't want to be a part of this. You know what it is? But, Mom, I might seem like a deceiver. Look at what it says. I shall see. No, it won't be that you seem to him. You will be. I shall see him as a deceiver. You say, what's the issue? It's all about the outside. How do people, what do people think about me? And let me tell you right now, one of, the, one of the challenges, if you weren't raised in church, you don't, have, you don't struggle as much with this, but if you are raised in church, you're going to struggle. And I don't mean to point out or anything like that, but any of our young people that are raised in church, you will learn how to kind of put things on the outside and make it look like everything's okay, and really what's going on is you just don't want to seem like there's a problem, but there's a problem. <laughs> one time, Saul gets exposed, and he says, hey, would you just... Samuel, I get it. I, yeah, I messed up, but worship the Lord with me before the people. I just don't want the image to be lost. I don't want to look like things are wrong in my life. I mean, they are. I just don't want them to look like that. Can I say something, by the way? It'd be much better for you. I, I won't throw this in there for free. It'd be much better for you to come to church when things are broken in your life than for you to stay away from church. You go, I just don't want to be, listen, it's much better just to, hey, my life is a mess. How's your day going? I mean, that'd be better than, than, than isolating yourself because that's not what God wants for you either. But here's what I want you to understand is this. When you are more concerned with your image than who you actually are, manipulation is easy to take place in your life. Remember the New Testament? Imagine, imagine with our building, let's say that someone came in and said, I'm selling everything I have and I'm giving it to the church, which we're not asking for that, but let's just go along with it because that was what happened in the book of Acts. And let's say that, that, that someone did that. Let's just pick on, I don't know, someone I can pick on really easily. Brother Felix, you're a nice guy. And so, and, so, and so Brother Felix comes to church and he says, man, I sold everything. I mean, the kids are barely eating clothes anymore. They don't have any food. He sold everything. He's going to give it all to God, right? And he comes in with this check, dun, dun, da, 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 you know, and he's like, I did it, guys, I did it. And he puts it there in the offering plate, and Brother Craig goes, <clears throat> Brother Felix is like, yeah? Brother Craig's like, got anything else? And Brother Felix is like, nope, that's everything. Because I'm spiritual, and I sold everything for God. And then all of a sudden, Felix goes, oh! And he falls out of his chair. Right? And then Lenny walks in. 
And we're like, Lenny, did your dad sell everything? We sold everything. Boom, there goes Lenny. <laughs> Dropping like flies, man. You say, what happened? Literally what happens in Acts chapter 5. You know what the issue was? It wasn't that they didn't give everything. It was that they lied about what they were doing. That was the issue. It wasn't, you know what? You know what Peter says to Ananias and his wife? Look, when it was yours, you didn't have to give it to us. We didn't need, you, you said you were doing this. You lied about it. It was the facade. It was the image that God had a problem with. It wasn't the fact that you didn't give everything. It was you were deceitful about it. And you wanted to present an image that wasn't real, that wasn't true to reality. Can I just say this? You ought to be more concerned with the substance of your life than how you look. Look, if you would, at chapter 27, verse 13. Can I say this? A manipulative spirit is only concerned with the short term. What can I get right now? What can I get right now? Yeah. Well, mom, uh, I might see him as a deceiver. Hey, just obey my voice. It's going to work out. And you know what? If it, if it goes bad, it'll be on me. She doesn't realize what she's saying. You know what happens? She never gets to see her son again. You, you say, in the moment, when you're being manipulated by the wrong spirit, you will say, yeah, but I don't care about that. You'll care about it then. And just because you're willing to give it up now doesn't mean you won't care about it at that time. Too many Christians make decisions in their lives that will affect them for the rest of their life just because of how they feel right now in the moment. Not thinking about their family, not thinking about their kids, not thinking about their spouse, not thinking about their church. It's selfish and it's short-term minded. And that, that spirit will pressure you and go, do it, do it, do it, do it, do it. And deep down inside the Holy Spirit of God that you've quenched and you've grieved is saying, with that last little bit of air he's got, step away. Slow down. Stop. Pray about it. Think about it. Get in your Bible. If you don't think pastors struggle with this, you know how many times someone one time said, I'm glad you never quit. I said, I've quit a thousand times. You just didn't know about it. I'm serious. Because you know what happened in your mind? You go through this thing and you see someone go and they go out in the left field and you go, man, what could I have done? I'm just, I'm useless. I couldn't help them. I couldn't make the difference. I'm just, you said, what's that? Manipulation. It's the devil coming in at a time of vulnerability and weakness to get you to go, just give in. Just quit. Just walk away. What is that? That's not from God. It's a manipulative spirit. And it's only concerned with getting the relief that you want right now. Can I say this? Judas got what he wanted in the moment, but after that he went and he hung himself. Amnon, because of his lust, raped his half-sister Tamar. He got what he wanted in the moment, but he lost everything after that. Peter denied Jesus Christ. David called for Bathsheba. Eve ate of the fruit. Saul, the Old Testament king. <laughs> Here's a guy chasing an innocent man trying to kill him. Listen to me. And listen to the words of the, the, the pursuer of the innocent life. Not the innocent guy, the one trying to kill an innocent man. Listen to these words. All of you have conspired against me. And there's no one to show, to show with me uh, uh, that my son hath made a league with the son of Jesse. And there's none of you that is sorry for me. Why should we be sorry for you? 
You're trying to kill someone, an innocent man. But that's what manipulation does. It led Esau to sell out his birthright. A few chapters prior to the one that we're reading. She never, Rebecca never sees her son again. Now I want you to look at verse number 38 in this chapter. You see what happens? Esau weeps. And I want you to notice what happens in verse 41. There's an animosity that comes to manifestation through hatred. And Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing wherewith his father blessed him. And Esau said in his heart, the days of mourning for my father are at hand. Then will I slay my brother Jacob. Then you know what mom does? Mom jumps in again and she tells him, son, you better run for your life. Look at verse 43. Didn't this whole thing start with mom manipulating her son to obey my voice? Uh, well, you better obey my voice. This time you got to run. Do you think at the front of the story, Jacob is going, I know how this is going to end. I'm never going to see my mom again. Me and my brother will lose years of our lives that we could have had together. And for the next several years of my life, I'm going to follow a pattern of manipulating people to get what I want out of them. Ooh, but it gets better. It gets better. Can, can, can I point out, a couple chapters later, you may not know the story. Jacob meets Rachel, who is love at first sight. I mean, she drops that bucket of water <laughs> into the well. She brings it back up, you know. Jacob is smitten. He's like, baby, you're so fine. You're so fine. You blow my mind. That's where Jacob is at. And he can't think about anything but getting Rachel. So he goes to Rachel's daddy because that's the right thing to do, young men. You don't, you don't message a girl on her own. You talk to her father. Can I get a witness? Amen. All right. You go, hey, I like your daughter. Listen, if you're man enough to lift weights in a gym, walk up to a dad and say, I liked your daughter. Can I talk to her? Well, it ain't like we're getting married. Then don't talk to my daughter. Amen. Sorry, I don't know where that came from. Amen. Amen. But can I point out that Jacob is so infatuated with Rachel, he goes to Rachel's dad and he goes, hey, uh, I kind of like your daughter. And Laban's like, you know what? I like her too. How about this? You work for me for seven years, and she's yours. Any takers? Seven years? Seven years? So he works for seven years, and then it's their wedding night. It wasn't like, it wasn't that kind of dancing. It was, they're Jewish. It was different, all right? And so the dancing, the wedding goes on, you know, and then, and then okay, it's time for me to get my wife. I've worked seven years. I want my wife. So Laban brings him his daughter. And then in the morning, Jacob looks at her and he goes, that ain't the one I wanted. Yeah. True story? Yeah. You think maybe when you manipulate others, it kind of follows you? Amen. You kind of cover up who you are and you kind of go, well, I'm not really that person, I'm this person. And then you wake up one morning and go, who is this next to me? Oh. So then he works seven more years. He works 14 years 
He works 14 years, and he finally gets her. And you know what Jacob does? Jacob finds a way. He's finally leaving his father-in-law's house. He finds a way to get the best cattle. He manipulates the best cattle, the best sheep, the best this, the best that. And he takes those for himself, and he leaves his father-in-law with the sucker, the, 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 the weaker sheep, the, the, the sick sheep. You say, what is that? He's learned to manipulate. He learned this with his parents, and now he's carrying this out in every area of his life. How do we fix this manipulative spirit? How do we confront this? How do we deal with this the right way? And that was one very long introduction to simply say this. Go to Genesis chapter number 32. At one point, <laughs> Jacob vows a vow. Now, normally when you vow a vow, you're like, God, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do it. Listen to Jacob's vow. If God will be with me, and will keep me in this way that I go, and will give me bread to eat and put raiment on, so that I come again to my father's house in peace, then shall the Lord be my God. What kind of vow is that? It's, it's kind of like, here's my vow. I'm going to make a commitment. God, if you do everything right, then I might follow you. You know what that is? It's a manipulator. Have you ever gone down to pray and talk, without realizing it, kind of talk that way to God? Finally, something happens in Jacob's life that he hasn't really had to experience before. You say, what happened? Well, he lost cell phone signal, apparently. <laughs> so he couldn't spend six hours and 17 minutes of screen time a day on his phone. So in verse 24, Jacob was left alone. And they wrestled the man with him until the breaking of the day. And it was not a luchador, Okay. When he saw that he prevailed not against him, he touched the hollow of his thigh, and the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint. As he wrestled with him, and he said, Let me go, for the day breaketh. And he said, I will not let thee go, except... Now look, Jacob has not forgotten he wants the blessing. Do you want the blessing today? You want God to bless your life? Nothing wrong with that. That's a good thing. You want God to bless your home. You want God to bless your efforts in dealing with others, leading others to Christ. You want God to bless your devotional life. You want God to bless your family. Nothing wrong with that. But I want you to see something happens here that Jacob hasn't had to do in a long time. Verse 27, he said unto him, What is thy name? You know what he doesn't do this time? He doesn't lie about who he is. He doesn't say, I'm Esau. He says, I'm exactly who you think I am. You know what the name Jacob means? It means supplanter, deceiver manipulator he goes yep that's me this experience changes Jacob for the rest of his life as a matter of fact for the rest of his life because of that wrestling match he has a little bit of a limp and I'm sure people would ask him hey Jake what happened to you I had a moment with the Lord I was running from him for a long time I lied about who I was I deceived my father I manipulated to get what I wanted I put myself first. I just cared about me getting the blessing no matter who or what was in my way. I was going to get, Jacob got what Jacob wanted until I met with the Lord. You know one of the greatest things you could do with God if, if you're struggling with this, on either side of it, manipulator, being manipulated, come to the Lord and go, Lord, this is me. And this is where this is coming to my life. And God, I don't want it there anymore. 
before Jesus Christ ascends up to heaven, he has one of those experiences where he meets with his disciples after he rose from the dead. And one of them is by a fire. And he's on the seacoast there. He's on the beach there. He's got a fire going. And you know the story. John and, and Peter are in the boat. And Jesus calls to the disciples. says, cast the net on the right side of the net. And of course they do that. And they got 153 fishes. And they could barely pull the net in before it broke. And, and, and all of a sudden John looks up and he goes, that's the Lord. And Peter goes, are you kidding me? He, t- he jumps out of that boat and he swims to shore. And he gets to shore. And then there's Jesus. It's almost like Peter's all excited about meeting with the Lord. And then the Lord goes, hey, man, we've got some unfinished business. Do you love me, Pete? Lord, you know I love you. Okay, good, feed my sheep. Do you love me, Pete? Lord, you know that I love you. Okay, feed my sheep. Do you love, Lord, you know everything. You know everything about what I've done. You know everything that I've said. You know where I messed up. And the Lord goes, fine, 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 Pete. Feed my sheep. Why does the Lord do that with Peter three times? Because he denied the Lord three times. You know what the Lord was trying to do? It wasn't rubbing it in Peter's face. He was trying to get him to own who he was. Because until then, he could not become the Peter that we know from the book of Acts. God wants to change you and make you different than you are right now. But you'll never get there with keeping everything covered and just keeping the image going and and just making sure it feels okay. And as long as people don't know, hey, let me just say it like this. God doesn't want that. He wants you coming out of manipulation, out of manipulating others, out of being manipulated so you can see truth for what it is and have him work in your life. Let's all stand, every head bowed and every eye closed. Father, You know what what we don't. You see what we don't see. God, oftentimes there are things working in us, Lord, that aren't the right spirit. Lord, and it's just a step away from the mess that Jacob made. Lord, we could all do that. We're all, none of us are exempt. Lord, would you help us not to not to keep going down that road. When we see the manipulation take place, when we see that it's not the right spirit, when we see it doesn't line up with your word, God, would you break our hearts? We're so hard-hearted, God, myself included. I don't want that. Lord, I want to be tender in your hand. Lord, I don't want things just to look like they're right. Lord, I want them to be right. Lord, I don't want our church to look right. I want it to be right. Lord, I don't... This isn't window shopping. This is real life. God, would you help us? Lord, I pray if there's any believer in here that's maybe been kind of oppressed and kind of pinned in a corner due to the wrong spirit speaking into their life, would you help them to break out of that? call it what it is and get aligned with the truth from your word. God, help us to, as David says, Lord, you desire truth in the inward parts. Not half-truths, but truth. Lord, help us not to be manipulated. Help us not to, to continue that pattern with others, Lord, to manipulate others. 
Lord, I pray if there's anybody here, Lord, with all that are here this morning, Lord, please move. Those at the altar, don't, don't be in a rush. Take your time. Talk to the Lord. I, I, I feel oftentimes we're so used to a drive-through mentality. Roll up to Starbucks and get your grande Americano the way you like it in 30 seconds. We treat God that way. Take your time. We'll get out of here. You'll go to lunch. Life will go on. With every head bowed and every eye closed, can I simply ask this question? If you died today, are you certain that you would be in heaven? A hundred percent. Not maybe, not hope so. You know without a shadow of a doubt that if you died, you'd be in heaven. If that's you, man, praise the Lord. If you, if you could raise your hand, if you could jump up and down, if you could do something to say, yep, I'm saved, I know I'm saved, there'd be hands up all over this place, and that's a blessing. But let me ask you, if you're one of those that isn't sure, can I encourage you not to be manipulated into thinking that tomorrow is okay to deal with this? Just do it tomorrow. Just think about it tomorrow. Just, just deal with that later. Look, if, you're, if you've never been born again and you're lacking peace, the peace of, of God, the Bible says, therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God. Don't let another spirit manipulate you into walking out of this place lost without Jesus. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. That's spiritual. That's not just physical. That, that's, there's a, an eternal punishment. It is God's judgment, God's wrath on sin. And listen to me carefully. If you've never been saved, you've not been born again, God poured out his wrath on his own son who was bearing your sins on the cross. He doesn't want you to have to bear your sins. He did. He put that on Jesus Christ. And he wants you to receive him as your savior. But you know what I can't do? I can't manipulate you. I can't force you into this. I can't twist your arm. I can't make you get saved. That, it's not how it works. It's the spirit of God showing you that you're lost and that you need a savior. And if you're here and you've never been saved, can I encourage you? Every head is bowed just right now. No one's looking around. Would you be honest enough either to raise your hand or look at me or something and say, I don't know if I'm saved. I'd like to be saved. I'd like to have that peace you talk about, that peace with God. Anybody else? Peace with God. Man, you can't buy that. That's, it, you know why you can't buy it? It's already been bought. <laughs> bought and paid for through Jesus Christ. I'd love to open up a Bible, show you how to be saved. We're going to be, in just a moment, dismissed. And would love to open up a Bible, if that's you, and tell you how you can be born again. Christian, a lot of different spirits trying to get your attention. Make sure you're listening to the right one. Can I say this much, and we'll be done? The Spirit of God will never lead you to do something against His Word. Because he works through his words. Because he gave those words. Right? So when you find yourself in life, at moments, let's be honest, sometimes weak, sometimes spiritually and emotionally vulnerable, pump the brakes. And when something comes your way and it's kind of giving you the hippie-jibbies, like, well, it kind of looks okay, but it doesn't, and I don't think this is right, but can I move forward? Maybe just stop. 
And rather than pursuing and going forward, say, Lord, I don't want to be manipulated in the wrong thing. I want you. But I want you to be my guide. I want you to be my director. I don't want to go by my feelings. Amen. Appreciate you playing. We're going to miss you. It's kind of like her and Joe are doing like shifts. Like he's coming back from Africa, now she's going away. Uh, hasn't the Lord been good to us and given us three piano players in our church? And uh, we've got uh, a couple from Alaska moving here with their kids, and she's a piano player as well. God's been real good giving us some musicians. Really appreciate you playing today. Appreciate you ladies singing. Uh, we're going to be dismissed in a word of prayer, and you youngins want to get back there and help with the, yeah, that's right, youngins. Uh, want to get back there and help with the ice cream. We'd appreciate it. A little update from James and Debbie for those that would like to hear this. Yes, ma'am.